It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Welcome in to another episode of the TikTok Podcast. It's a Guest Friday episode. I am your host, Brett Whitefield. Stephen O'Rourke joins me as usual. And our guest today, who is very special. I promise a special guest, and he is very, very special. Please welcome to the show, Christopher Wecht. Chris, this is what, four out of the last five weeks? It's getting to that point. I it, It's a little weird to call me a guest anymore at this point. <laughs> I, I literally was going to say this, where I think it's safe to say that this will be a trio on Fridays moving forward, unless we have another guest. One of the three of us will sit out. Maybe it will be me. Maybe it will be Chris. Maybe it will be Steve. But I just think it's safe to say at this point that Chris is going to be uh, a routine thing on Fridays. So He's a staple now. He's a staple. The people demanded it, and, and <laughs> I'm, I'm a man of the people. So the people get what they want. <laughs> I'm happy to do it anytime. It's a blast talking football with, with you guys anytime. Yeah, we had a, we had a good time last, last Friday. Uh, you know, where we, oh, we, yeah. we got on and you know, I, already... I don't think I can be here for this podcast. Actually. <laughs> I forgot. I, have something. L- l- I listen, I already took my victory lap on, on Wednesday's pod with Steve. All right. So I won't do that now, but I'm, I'm, I'm not above taking other victory laps. And so on that note, I want to talk about Christian Watson for a second. Let's talk about last night's game. Christian Watson is clearly the greatest wide receiver to ever step foot on a football field. <laughs> He's got f- five touchdowns in the last four days. Um, the man is a machine. And as you guys know, Christian Watson was my draft crush this year. I've touted him so hard that I was thinking about retiring with the way his season started. <laughs> so here we are. I've got two games now, especially fantasy-wise, like back-to-back 20-plus point weeks. I'm feeling really good about this. And uh, I think Aaron Rodgers is too, guys. I mean, he was about like six inches from having a hundred yard stat line last night too. If Rogers doesn't throw that deep ball to him a little bit behind him, yeah, like that's awesome though because that's the level of it seems the level of trust that Rogers has. I don't really think we've seen Rogers throw a ball like that at all this year, at least not that confidently. No, and. It's it's actually like I don't know if you guys have watched the all twenty two from from last night's game yet. I did this morning. It's crazy how much separation this dude is getting downfield. You know, Scott Barrett was texting me a couple nights ago about Christian Watson's IQ. Like, oh, like you know, they missed on Sunday. Rogers threw a deep ball to him, and he kind of slowed down. And the ball was probably a perfect throw and it would have been a touchdown, but Watson slowed down. And so Scott was texting me about Christian Watson's IQ. I'm like, listen, dude, we don't, we don't need the greatest football IQ ever when you can literally run past everybody. And that's basically what he's doing. There was multiple moments last night too, where he was wide open downfield and Rodgers didn't even throw him the ball. Right. Just because of either circumstance. I think one, he was pressured and just didn't get, didn't get to find him. Another one, he was, I think more working for a, a first. I think it was like third and eight and didn't really want to take the risk. Um, but I feel like that connection is going to be super special. Like yeah, they, actually perfect for what they needed right now. They're still having him run a ton of like just plain vertical go routes. 
as in like you said, yes. just run run by everybody. If he yeah, if he can develop that route tree a little bit more, whether it's on his end or the team trusting him to run some other routes, man, he could he could really take off. Like he I mean, like like Steve said, he yeah, he seems to have that Rogers trust in him. This like the law on that uh when they got them to jump offside his first touchdown, he I'm pretty sure he was just staring at Watson the entire play and just saying, Hey, like <laughs> Get, get over here, go over this direction, and I'm just going to throw it up to you and like give you a shot. Yeah, what's cool too is like the, the connection with Devontae was obviously special as well, but they did a lot of timing-related things, a lot of back shoulder stuff, and I think maybe it took Rodgers a little bit to realize, like, no, nah, Watson's just going to outrun his guy. Like, just lead him, just put it out in front and lead him and, he'll, and let him chase it down. You don't necessarily want Watson having to turn around and, and get you know make a play on the ball that way. He's good at that stuff, but not Devonte Adams level good. Where you know his speed is literally world class. Like he's he's a freak. So I would just I would let him play like a center fielder role. I think that's actually how I described him in my my pre draft write up of Watson. It was like he's a center fielder chasing down fly balls. And that's that's what he does. And that's the joy of being that fast. Is that you don't have to have the football IQ right away. You can just be like, Hey, all right. Until you, what, as you start getting comfortable for right now, just go run past people. Yep. Just either run straight and run past people or just put a foot in the ground, make a cut and get, and get away from people. And he's doing, he's doing it really well. And you know, odds are that if Rogers stays into next year, like he'll be able to, and even if Rogers isn't there, he'll continue to improve that and he'll improve his IQ. He'll improve his route tree. And yep. hopefully this is just the beginning for him. Exactly. And it kind of, it's, it does make me feel really good about the Packers moving forward. We kind of knew they would struggle on offense this year just because two rookie, they're going to lean heavily on two rookies at receiver. Cobb is obviously washed up. Watkins is washed up, but Lazard is just a guy, you know, he's, he's a functional player. If you get the right pieces around him, um, so we kind of knew they'd struggle, but what they've done is they've really set themselves up for next year, in my opinion, because that defense is still gonna be pretty good. Yep. They'll, they'll tweak it. They, if they can sure up their offensive line this off season and, and run that back, like Watson and dubs is a legit combo to move forward with. Um, so that's, you know, that's very interesting to me. I'm excited to see what happens. Chris, where were you at on Watson pre-draft? I know. Um, we, we talk so much, I kind of forget where. Yeah, I, uh, the first, I think like everybody, nobody really even knew who he was till the Senior Bowl um, was really where he started to show out. And I was, I'd say, hesitant at the at first just because it's so rare for us to, the, the NFL really and everyone and the draft people and everyone that covers the NFL draft to like totally miss on a prospect throughout the college their college career. And granted, he played for North Dakota State, where they don't really have a great passing offense. So it's, and it's not a you know, a, not a top tier school by any means from a football perspective. Um, Excuse me, what? In their in their uh, <laughs> conference, they are. But <laughs> I think not, I think Watson won three Natties when he was there. But yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. The the national spotlight is not exactly on North Dakota State like it is a Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State, whoever. 
Um, so yeah, yeah, like they're not going to get the the. He's never he was never going to get the showing of a Chris Olave and Garrett yeah. Wilson. Yes, <laughs> um, for sure. So anyway, yeah, I was I was a little hesitant on like, all right, like is this guy just really, you know, he's crushing these Senior Bowl practices. He looks really good compared to these other guys. What did we miss? And I know you did a pretty deep dive on him following the Senior Bowl. And I was like, all right, I and and you came out pretty high. I was like, all right, like maybe there's something here. His his numbers <laughs> never stood out, but but yeah, I was definitely a little hesitant at first, and then I think by the time the draft rolled around, I was I was pretty much in the camp of outside of the Garrett Wilson's, Chris Olave, um, who else went pretty early? Jameson um, Williams, Jameson Williams, yeah, you know, you Drake know. London, yeah, Drake London, Trey and then Lund. it was. It was pretty much. I think I would have rather had Watson over Traylon, and that was pretty much where where I ended up on him. But but yeah, at the time when he first started, what came out like I was. It's so rare for the NFL to just totally miss on. We they miss on prospects all the time, but it's rare to have one go totally unnoticed until you know like draft time comes around. Cooper Cup is probably the other example, and he is like a once in a. Well, I, we would think once in every generation type scenario. And I think that part of that is like skill players at that, not, I should say non-quarterback skill players at like the FCS level, I feel like are, it's harder to tell, like to say whether they're going to be NFL players because so much is like so much of it is like who are you who who are you going up against and in the FCS like skill players are just definitively not as good as you know or for the most part as like FBS schools and so i think like that might be part of it is that sometimes those receivers slip through the cracks because as you if you're watching their film or as you're watching their film before everybody else jumps on board i feel like a lot of people fall into the like well yeah, they're like you know they're good, but they're just, they're beating up a bunch of guys that are just defin- are just worse, mm-hmm. and like oh we haven't seen them against good competition, and then that's where you know the Senior Bowl is such a huge help to these guys because they can then go and compete against you know top level D one talent that you know they maybe only got one chance or no chances to do. Yeah, so I. Chris mentioned the the deep dive I did. I wrote a, a prospect profile for him um, with my former employer, and I'm going to read you my final takeaway, my summary after doing this deep dive. Where I see Christian Watson fitting into this draft class. After fully evaluating Watson and putting him through my numeric scoring system, I view Watson as a wide receiver prospect with all the tools to become a legitimate number one option in the NFL and worthy of a top 50 pick and I would even go as high as a late first round selection with him. In my system, he scored similarly to the other top names in the class and is in the mix as a top five or six wide receiver in this draft class. So I was very high. I, I did the research back then. I was the first person in the entire draft community to give Watson a top 50 grade, basically. So I've been extraordinarily high on him. Um, from the from the get go, so this is very exciting for me. I, I'm going to victory lap this, this two week stretch here. It's it's very nice. Um, this got me thinking though, guys. Um, if you go through the 2022 draft as a whole, 
you know, Watson ended up not being a first round pick, but he probably should have been. I stand by that. Um, I kind of want to take a look at the first round and, and go team by team and see if there's anything that would change. Like if you were if you were the Jacksonville Jaguars calling the shots, would you still take Trayvon Walker? I, I don't have an, I don't have an issue. I don't I don't think there's any reason to really change it based off of some other guys that have you know the yeah like I, the, yeah it's like a yeah it's a good pick feels like yeah and like I mean with him the the big thing was going in that sack numbers weren't always there in college and they might not always be there in the NFL, but he's going to affect the game in different ways. And that's, I mean, that's kind of what he's doing. He hasn't been like the, like the big number sack guy. I think he only has two sacks on the year, but he does, but he is so long. He is so athletic that he does affect like the run game in different ways. He, he is, he is effective in other areas, but just not maybe for like the, layman fan or you know people who just box score watch that Trayvon Walker yeah you'd say not you would that you wouldn't want the Jaguars to go after him again but if you like dive a little bit deeper he's been effective he just hasn't had like the he had the one interception but he hasn't other than that he hasn't had like a ton of the huge splash plays mm-hmm, but he's yeah. been effective he's been consistently effective on that on that front seven for Jacksonville yeah I, I mean the deal with him is we knew he was raw coming out. Um, he's still raw now. He's only been playing in the NFL for 11 games or 11 weeks. So uh, I, I personally wouldn't have taken him one overall then. And I still wouldn't have, I still wouldn't take him number one overall now, but I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are fine with their decision and they probably would do it all over again. Yeah. Same with the lions and Hutchinson at two. Yeah. Or do you have another point on Walker, Chris? Well, I was going to say, honestly, in the top 10 to me, there's only like two spots that, even like where I'm like, all right, maybe the team would go elsewhere given where, what we are at so far in these guys' career. I couldn't find one. So uh, give me, give me the, the ones you're thinking. Yeah. So the, the first one I could see is maybe Houston taking Stingley over sauce Gardner just cause uh, okay. Stingley hasn't been bad by any means, but it's Gardner fair. has been very, very good so far in his career. Yeah. Sting Stingley's had moments where he's gotten abused a little bit. But that pass rush is so bad. Right. That's why I'm, I mean, not, he, <laughs> I'm yeah. not saying it's a lock, but that's where one where I'm like, all right, maybe. But they all and then and then just in general, could they have taken Thibodeau or or or, or some or something like that and not sure. gone the corner route? But yeah. I, do they redo it? Probably not. But I think you could make an argument that maybe they could have done better there so far in their careers. Yeah. And then the other spot, um, I mean, I don't know how we, nobody, you, you don't see this one, is Atlanta with Drake London. <laughs> I There's mean, no uh, point of Drake London on the Falcons. Well, this year, though. you got to remember, they're, build, they're building for the future. Like, I, I, I mean, I, I think they probably are elated with that pick. He looks awesome to me. Oh, he looks awesome. So. But he, do you, I, I have zero faith that their offense is ever going to be able to support, you know, premier pass catchers. Even with a like, once they replace Mariota, I'm what they're not really going to be able to. They're too. They've won too many games. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, where are they going to be picking in the draft? 15? 10, 10 to fifteen, somewhere in there, right. likely. 
So yeah, I something mean, like that. yeah, there's going to be quarterback options there. Like we were just talking yesterday. I mean, Bo Nix. Like where where's he land now? Like well, he's had a a resurrection. I like I think he might be better than Will Levis at this point. He's going to be a fun one because I feel like ever he's been around for so long. Like we've known yeah. Bo Nix for so long that I I am curious to see not necessarily NFL but uh like people in the NFL draft community how they grade him because I feel like so many people have their biases. Like when someone's around that long and has the up and down and down and down and up again <laughs> career <laughs> that he's had, like I feel like so many people are going to have a hard time moving past their prejudices with him of like, Oh, Bo Nix is super turnover prone. Doesn't take care of the ball. Doesn't make good decisions. Like that was the narrative his sophomore year, sophomore, junior year. And it was like, he's dead. Like he can't make it to the NFL. And now he has a little resurrection here in Oregon. And he looks like a completely different player than, than who he was at Auburn. And that's fine. Cause I mean, like Brett, we've talked about it time and time again of the development yeah. of quarterbacks. And sometimes it does take a guy a little bit longer to figure it out. Listen, I get Joe Burrow vibes from him, not in uh, style or skill set, but in the fact that Joe Burrow was actually a laughing stock at Ohio State. Yeah. Like people made fun of his recruitment because he never saw the field there. Not wasn't even and then close. He, it wasn't even close. Was buried on their depth chart. Goes to LSU, was really bad as a as a junior. Uh, I shouldn't say really bad. He was pretty bad as a junior. Definitely not the guy we saw as a senior. Comes out as a senior, a totally different human being, and then ends up being the number one overall pick. Bo Nix, if if you don't don't have those three years of Auburn tape in your head, you're talking about this guy as a top five pick right now. I promise you that. Absolutely. I mean, um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. He now listen. Throw for throw, he's he's not the most accurate guy in the world, but he has that big time arm, like. Everything people think Will Levis is is kind of what Bo Nix is, right? Like this absolute savage running the ball. He's got, what, 13 rushing touchdowns and 500 yards this year. Um, I know he's got like close to 2,500 yards passing already and 20-something touchdowns. Like he's he's a legit dual-threat guy with the big-time arm. So anyway, I don't want to go on the side tangent of college QBs <laughs> again, but they're out there. My point, Chris, is like there's going to be somebody in that – so. Whether it's Bo Nix or say Bo Nix leapfrogs C.J. Stroud and C.J. Stroud's the pick, they're going to have an option at 15 is all I'm saying, or wherever they're picking there. They'll have an option that is better than the options they had last year. My two arguments would be, first off, wide receiver probably more than running back is the other one. Wide receiver is probably second. The most easy-to-find premier talent later in the draft. Will not get a disagreement with me. So – if your goal is I'm not trying to win games this year, like we're, uh, like we're just trying to build the foundation for that next QB, take you know take a Charles Cross as a ta- and you know get a tackle for the future. Take a, an edge rusher like Jermaine Johnson or something like what whatever it is. Um, but take those those much harder to find edge rusher the D and O line play, maybe a corner or something. Um, they're they're not. They have AJ Terrell, but so maybe they they feel okay in their corner spot. But take a position of more, like like Christian Watson. You could have you could have they could have easily taken Watson 
where they took a. Who did they? No, take they couldn't have. No, yeah, they just missed on Watson. They, they missed oh, on yeah. Watson, yeah. But you get that a type of wide receiver like Watson. They were in that range to still get a level of talent of wide receiver like that. They, they could have got like a, a Pickens or an Alec Pierce. Right, exactly. Sky yeah. Moore. Yep. So yeah. like the question you have to ask yourself is, would you rather have – who did they take in the second round? Was it Ebiketti? Yeah, that's what I was just looking at. Uh, okay. So yeah, would you yeah. would you rather have like – I don't know. Charles Cross and George Pickens. Yes. Yeah. So for for the state of the team, yes. Okay, that's fair. Then I I, I can buy into that. I do think that the, in this draft, once you got out of that top tier, I think Watson was the last of the top tier. There was a pretty good drop off in talent. I and I loved Pierce and Pickens both. Pickens, I had off the field concerns with Pierce. I really liked, but I did think there was still a sizable gap between Pierce and and. Uh, and Watson so sure yeah and then the other point is just that where where do they see do they see themselves as a winning team this year and we we've come keep coming back to we we think Arthur Smith and, and company said we're gonna win as many games as possible this year yeah and if that's right. the case taking a Drake London doesn't really help you do that because of the way you're gonna run your offense yeah that's another good point I mean it's it's immensely frustrating watching Atlanta's offense from an all 22 standpoint and watching Drake London get open on like four out of five, four out of five snaps. He's open with a, with a step. Like he's, yeah. in, he's yeah, a great no way is negative on Drake London in any way, shape or form. Drake London is awesome. It's just the, because of the state of the team and how the current, uh, regime is operating right their offense it's not probably the best use of resources right all right so i i'll give you some i i think you're i think you're spot on with with that after further review it's cool one one pick in the top 10 gets changed then you go to the next few though i think seattle still takes cross Wilson still goes to the Jets. Olave still goes to the Saints. I still think Jamo goes to the Lions. I think they they baked his injury into the cake, unlike they did with Levi Onzerike last year. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think they actually planned for Jamison to miss most of the season. So I still think they're happy with that. Then the first big one in my mind then becomes your Eagles, Chris and Jordan Davis. I, do you think do you think they make that pick again? Yes, I don't see how they don't make it. Given the way, and really it just comes down to how a lot of this depends on how the coaching staff wants to operate whatever their offense or defense. And the way that Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator, wants to run his offense, he needs that giant man in the middle of his defensive line. It, right. like, we, we've seen it. The past, they, they've signed Nadam Kinsu and Linville Joseph in the past two days. Partly they've had other D-line injuries as well as Jordan Davis. But they, they, Jonathan Gannon has told us time and again now that I can't run the defense I want to run without this. Should now, should they be running it that way? Is a, is a different question. Um, well, is date like it's just not valuable? Like, you can find guys that do what he does relatively cheap, though. I guess is my problem. It, it was a, it was not a valuable selection. Sure, big big nose okay. tackles that don't rush pass are are legitimately not valuable to your football team. Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying it was the best value pick, but I don't think they changed the pick. Uh, I mean, 
look right around where he went. There's not a name that like jumps at like screams at me. Like they totally should have taken this guy over Jordan Davis. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Then that that's where I come back to is like, I'm not sure where they go with that pick right. if they don't take Davis. The one guy I think of, or there's two actually, actually three. Quay Walker. That's what I was thinking. Devin Lloyd. Well, like either one of them would have been fine. Devin Lloyd might be a better were, overall fit in that defense because he were never taking passer. a linebacker though. They were never... Well, I I understand that. And then Jermaine Jermaine Johnson would have been the last yeah, one. Yeah, Jermaine Johnson was the one that um, I came closest to. But even with the linebackers, like yeah, I might prefer those guys over Davis, but that's still a not a valuable position. So right. you're in the same predicament you are by taking Davis. Yeah. So probably would have been. So it's tough. It's like. Yes, it probably wasn't the best use of resources, but also there's not a name that screams out like, "Oh, you they totally whipped on here." And right. we'll we'll find more in, as the you know this class has more time to be yeah. in the league and whatnot. There'll, there'll be more obvious stands that people should have taken. But right for, now, very early judgments for sure. Yeah, right. And like right now, if you think about it, at the premier positions, Philly's okay. Like they're. They yeah. didn't have anybody that like they needed to or mm-hmm. wanted to re- replace to right away. Luxury pick. Right. Like even then, the only thing I could think of or like I, the Jermaine Johnson was is a good one. But even like I guess they maybe could have swung for a better third wide out than <laughs> Qua- yeah. than Quez Watkins. Like that's the type like that's the type of position that they were in where and they didn't necessarily know that at that time. Cause I mean, think about it last year, our last impression was them getting blown out of the water by Tampa Bay in the playoffs. So like mm-hmm. we didn't, we didn't, I don't think anybody really saw eight and one coming or like, you know, some people did, right. but they just, they, they're good at like corner and defensive end. They had like, they don't offensive have tackle. offensive so tackle. Corner, corner was not good at the time of the draft. That's Bradbury true. was not on the team. So like maybe a McDuffie would have made sense. Or Elam. Elam yeah. would have been great for that system. Yeah. Right. So maybe, so there's corner there. I wa- I do wonder how, how far in of trade talks, they must've been pretty far in with the Titans for AJ Brown at that point. Cause then if they yeah. don't do that trade and we still say Dotson's off the board, then they're, you know, the next wide receiver to go is Traylon Burks. And how much do they like him? Who knows? And, Which there, yeah, I don't, I can't so, believe they would go after Burks. So at the time of the Davis pick, I'm assuming they had a pretty good idea that AJ Brown might be an Eagle. Right. Cause the wide receiver would have been the other spot that they right. definitely needed. Um, two other names. Well, what about either of those safeties at the end of the draft or end of the round scene? Yeah, or, cause um, they don't know that Chauncey Gardner Johnson's on their team. Either right. Also true. So safety. Yes. But again, how he wrote like anytime if you ever see a mock draft with the Eagles taking a linebacker or a safety in the top yeah part of the draft it's wrong they're just not <laughs> Howie Roseman's not going to do it just assume he's going to trade he, he he will not take a linebacker or a safety with like a top it would have to be a late first for that nice. to happen it's just not going to happen so there was tons of mocks last year with Devin Lloyd to the Eagles and they I was there's no way it was ever going to happen. He just doesn't value those positions. And it makes sense because the NFL doesn't really value those positions. And that's why he can go out and get a Chauncey Gardner Johnson for what he, for what he paid for him. And like, yeah, you can get a veteran guy that you, that is a known commodity 
for cheaper than, you know, taking one of these guys in, in the first or second round. Mm-hmm. And so exactly. like that, and that's where, that's why the Eagles are better and have stayed good for so long is just understanding that aspect to it of what the premier positions are, who to go after in a draft and who can you, who can you pick off from another team or off of free agency that gives you arguably better performance, at least in the beginning and more consistent performance across the course of the year for maybe a, you know, a little bit of extra money or a third or a fourth or a fifth rounder rather than spend the draft capital at the top of the draft to go get that guy and have them be, have them be as good or worse than the guy you were going to go get. Yeah. Yeah. The the next one I think Um, we're all in pretty much agreement of is the pick right after Davis with the Ravens taking Kyle Hamilton. Yeah. They clearly could use a wide receiver on that team. Yeah. I know. Before before, um, trading Hollywood Brown and Rashad Bateman getting hurt, they, they, how they have not filled Lamar Jackson with the weapons that he deserves is just, is just wild. Yeah. Jahan Dotson would have been nice. He, he does a lot of the things Hollywood does. Yeah. Um, don't really think Burks would have been a good fit. They they basically drafted Burks and like three rounds later and Isaiah likely. <laughs> so um, <laughs> yeah, I actually I actually mean that like they, like likely yeah, does a lot of likely does a lot of the same he things does. Burks does. He's just, he's just a little bit bigger. He's just a little bit just bigger. a little bit bigger. Yeah. But like how much bigger? Because you know Burks a little overweight right now. But I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I. Uh, it's similar to, like, would you rather have Kyle Hamilton at fourteen or like Lewis Seen at thirty-two or Dax Hill at thirty-one? I'd rather have the latter two guys. Yeah. Yep. Or Peach. So like even he. Just, yeah. Oh yeah. Like, or they just didn't need to take a safety. <laughs> that yeah. They, but they had two. They had two first-round picks. They could have taken Seen at twenty-five. No, I don't think they're mad about Linderbaum necessarily, but like No, I don't think so either. But they, it's just weird planning. Yeah, their 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 safety room was with uh Chuck Clark and um who did they cut right before Mar- Kenny no, Jefferson. No, they Wait. signed Marcus Williams to the biggest safety contract. Oh, yeah, and they had for, Marcus Williams. Yeah. That's that's right. That and then they cut Tony Jefferson. They they just didn't need to do The Ravens it, are the most confusing drafters ever cuz they get tons of praise for getting value all the time. But it's at the least important positions always. Yep. And Kyle Hamilton is basically playing like a glorified, just speed linebacker coverage position. Like he's he's in the yeah. box a bunch. Yep. <laughs> so, Joker. But he's a joker. Y- yes. There you go. That's the term I was looking for. But and that's what the Ravens do. They it's they go after the they it, they do best player available to a fault. Yes. Yeah. In their defense, they do a lot of like positionless football, you know. Yeah. Yep. And and it hasn't really helped their defense in the past few years. It's particularly the secondary has been not not good at all. Yeah. Every right. year, every year we go into it saying like 
that saying that Baltimore yeah, Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, right. the safeties we just mentioned. And every year they, they give up, you know, they're one of the worst, you know, at defending the deep ball every single year. That is true. I think some of that's probably their, their blitzing and their packages. They kind of put those corners on islands a lot. Oh yeah, they do. But, um, I think the next one is literally the next pick. So three in a row, Davis, Hamilton, Kenyon Green. Kenyon Green was a very, very, very fringe first-round pick for me. In fact, I had I think I had a day two grade on him. They took him at – they traded back, right, from 11 to 15? Someone traded up. Uh, there was a lot of movement in this rain. I forget exactly. Yeah, the Saints came up from 15 to get Olave. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so they traded back. They take Kenyon Green – um, looking at the board, I just think <laughs> they, they probably should have taken, or oh God, they should have stayed put and taken Olave. But with the trade back, they should have just taken Zion Johnson, who everybody yeah. but apparently yeah. them knew was a better prospect than Kenyon Green, mm-hmm. and that's played out so far through ten weeks or whatever. They yes. both played, started every game. Zion Johnson looks a hundred percent to be the better player than Kenyon Green, and I mean Kenyon Green's honestly he's been awful. He's been awful for them, so. And where Zion Johnson has been pretty good for the chargers. And like, honestly, at this point in the season, as far as surrounding talent on that unit, not a ton of difference. Like <laughs> between what Zion has next to him and what um, green has next to him. Yeah. Like think how like that could have elevated. That definitely could have elevated the Texans offensive line a little bit more by having Zion Johnson be like a bright spot on a bad unit instead of, Kenyon Green disappearing into a bad unit. Yep. So uh, then, that one's easy for me, though. Just one for one. They should have went with the other yeah. guard. Yeah. Uh, and then do you, I don't... The, do you think the Chargers take force a guard there at that spot then? If that had played out that way? Or what, what would the Chargers do at that spot then? a good question maybe they go well they were tied to Olave themselves and then Olave went earlier than 17 obviously so there's no yeah there's no receivers really on the board for them yeah I have no idea how they felt about Burks I have no idea how they felt about um after Burks who was the was it no Watson Watson. yeah Yeah, there's a big gap there so I mean you can't assume that they were looking at him there either um I don't really know what the Chargers do. They might force Kenyon Green there. Oh, uh, they could have gone Quay. Quay. They could have gone Quay, or they could have gone Devontae Wyatt. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's Wyatt would have been great for that scheme too. <laughs> yeah, linebacker and defensive tackle. We say we said they're not premier positions, but when they're so bad like they are in Los Angeles, it becomes like detrimental to the team at this point, and has been for like three years now. So, I think that they're true. they're one team that should have and could have prioritized that those positions and there there was a, like three really solid guys that could have, they could have gotten instead of with quay walker devin lloyd Devonte wyatt yeah so after that though i don't see i don't know of another one in do, the first round that gets over do you think pittsburgh takes kenny pickett again yeah i think they're I fine with it yeah okay yeah for right now, they they yeah, were, I wouldn't like, have taken Pickett there, and I still wouldn't take him there. Right. But I oh. think Pittsburgh's probably <laughs> that's, happy with. That's why did. I ask it because yeah. it's not like, I mean, right? Obviously, it's still early, but 
I would say it's leaning toward not being great so far. Yep. <laughs> well, what about the the Patriots pick of Cole Strange is probably one that they should, should not have done. <laughs> well, yeah, ever they we know that, but Bill's going to be Bill. He Yeah. You you could give him that opportunity 100 times. I bet you he makes <laughs> the same pick every time. Do you think Man. do you think the Saints go penning again? Yeah. Okay. I think they, they do. Yeah, they were dead set on getting a tackle. And him specifically, they loved him. Yeah, yeah. They like his his bully ball mentality, which I I think that will work out. He's just a little raw. But at the time, I thought Dallas taking Tyler Smith was one they might regret. But he's been probably better than I thought he would be so far. Yeah, yeah. he's been a so he's a mauler. Yeah, yeah. Nothing else in the first round really jumps out as like a. Yeah, yeah, we 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 might have messed up here, and we already know about it. I mean, is yeah. this is this one of the most productive first round rookie classes we've seen in recent history? I don't, I don't know. know. About, I don't know about productive is the right word, but like effective. I don't know. It feels like, like the least amount of quick bust potential or something maybe yeah a lot of these guys are playing they're not most of them aren't actually playing very good like hutch has by far been the best rookie defensive lineman and he isn't have he hasn't been that good and this class is allegedly loaded with d linemen so right um what about Karloftis? do you think he goes higher in a redraft yes yeah that's that was one i was thinking about i, f- yeah. I feel like he's been pretty bad lately but there's too many teams that could have used edge talent somewhere. Yeah, that he probably goes. He's higher. he's playing like significant time for them. Yeah, yeah. I think he's I think he's basically a full time player on that defense now. Like 85 percent of their snaps. Pretty much. Yeah. What about uh, Logan Hall? Probably goes higher too. He's played decently well in Tampa this year. There were a lot of people that thought he should have been a first round pick. As right, is, right. So. Um, I haven't like, I don't think I've paid enough attention to what he's done to, to really know if, if I think he's played well. I know there, there was a game, I'm trying to remember what game it was where I thought he got absolutely obliterated. Um, oh, it was the chiefs game. The, the chiefs O-line just, they just obliterate both, uh, you know, in the run game and in the past game. So, but that was what, like. That was a long time ago at this point. That was the beginning of the year. So Chiefs was like, yeah, first three or four weeks, right? Yeah, I think it was, I think it was week four, yeah. Um, yeah, well, sweet. Not, yeah, there's not too many teams in the first round that like desperately needed a re- wide receiver that didn't take one either, other than the Ravens, like we mentioned. I would have loved to have seen like, I don't know, Jacksonville go for Watson maybe. Yeah, or Kansas City, actually. That's actually – well, so you just said Carlathis is basically a full-time player for them, but yeah, they've made a lot of moves at receiver trading for Tony recently. Do they – are they sitting there going, oh, we could have just taken Watson or Pickens or – Yeah. I think – One of the other guys. I think pre-Tony trade, yes. I, it sounds like they love Tony, though. 
I mean, he's already playing a lot for them, which is surprising considering and, uh, he's only been there for really. a couple weeks. He didn't play that much really? last week. He ran. Did he catch 30... like four passes? Oh yeah, but on like thirty percent of the routes. Oh well, that that's still a lot, I think, considering they have a. Justin Watson but, played sixty something percent. Yeah, they have a deep room, though. Is what I'm saying. They've got five guys they use, so the fact that he's already getting in the mix, I think, is a good sign for him. He wasn't well, getting in the mix at all in New York. Yeah. Yeah, he's got to – I mean, if he – I'd be very nervous if he's not playing 60-plus percent this week because of – Hardman's now on the IR. Juju's not playing. Oh, Hardman's IR? Yeah. yeah. Um, MVS is questionable, I think, this week. So if he is not playing a ton of snaps this week, that is not going to look great for him. Yeah, like, yeah, I was going to – I took the words out of my mouth that this week was gonna is going to be crucial for him. Yeah. Which, speaking of Kansas City, they must – is Sky Moore just not good? Do they regret that pick? Seems like they probably do at this point. I'm not really sure. See, I would imagine he takes over the Hardman role this week, to be honest. Yeah, he um, feels like that. that's what he's over getting pushed Tony. into. Yeah. Um, I might, so my expectations for Tony this year in Kansas City were low just because t- – it's really hard for a guy to change schemes midseason and, and be productive. Even with the injuries, I just I just did not see Tony carving out a ton of playing time this year. Yeah. So maybe he gets up to fifty percent this week. If he gets over that, then I, I well, think that's a routes? very good Who else are they gonna have run routes? Did you say MVS is playing is playing? It, right? Let's say MVS is out. He's questionable right oh, now. Oh well if MVS is out, he has to be on the field, obviously. Right. If MVS is in then you've got Watson, at least Watson playing more than him, and probably Sky Moore playing more than Tony if he's not. Yeah. So I would say Watson, MVS, Sky Moore, and then Tony, you know, works in, working towards 50%. I wonder if um, we could see if we'll see a little bit more two tight end, two, three tight end stuff out of them this week. They do it a ton already. Um, but yeah, it probably would get, they're definitely comfortable doing it. Right. For sure. Yeah. Well, sweet. So that's uh, some good revisionist history draft talk. Let's uh, let's pivot for a sec. We're going to wrap the pod shortly here. But there are two good games I wanted to preview this week. Only two. Unfortunately, we are <laughs> back to this. The NFL gave us a few weeks of, of nice, nice games, right. nice slates. But now this, this week is really, really ugly. But we do get Dallas, Minnesota, and Kansas City chargers and unfortunately they're happening oh they're not the same same time slot never mind i thought yeah, they were going on the same time kansas yeah city. they yeah. flexed kansas city so we got dallas minnesota 425 slot and then kansas city chargers sunday night let's talk cowboys at vikings how are you guys feeling about that game i mean are the are the vikings the most disrespected eight and one team to be dogs on the uh, at home at eight and one <laughs> I mean that. Listen, I, that's crazy. I think what they've done is a little fraudulent, but the fact that they're dogs is crazy to me. Yeah, Dallas, Dallas is getting full America's team hype this week. I, I've been on this multiple times saying I think the Vikings are not as good as they are, but there's no reason that they should be underdogs at home. No reason for Dallas. it. And I think but, that the Vikings match up really well with the Cowboys. Yeah, that Cowboys defense has not been as strong recently, which 
is not super surprising. Like defense is extremely volatile season to yes. season and even yeah. week to week. Um, it's hard to continuously get pressure. Um, actually, I'm curious. I forgot to check, um, but I think Micah Parsons wasn't playing a ton of edge rush no. again last week. I was just because no, the because the injuries they're having. Yeah, which is also a major. Uh, it's been said multiple times by Brett and Steve on this podcast <laughs> that that is a major major problem for the defense if he is not rushing the passer. Yeah, we're 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 back to just wasting snaps. And I yeah. I get that Anthony Barr is out, but there's just no way you can tell me that having Parsons fill in for him when like in reality, I know they do a lot of different packages with their linebackers. They do run a lot of six DB stuff. I just, how can they, how can Dan Quinn look at it and say that we need Parsons here. He's more valuable to us at this off ball linebacker position while Barr is out instead of just keeping him on the edge. I don't like, I don't understand it at all. I would rather, like, if I was given the choice, I'd rather play my seven-year-old at linebacker just so I could get Parsons on the edge. I mean, like, Don- you know I mean? Donovan Wilson has been a solid box safety and is arguably, like, at least on third downs when they do go. And granted, Anthony Barr is usually the middle linebacker in those positions, but, like, it, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to matter that much to really fill Barr's spot and have Parsons drop drop into coverage when he clearly affects the game more and is, I think clearly more comfortable rushing the passer. Mm -hmm. They should be looking at this. Like cousins is the QB, a, a type of QB that if you can get him rattled and get him, you know, starting to, like Cousins is very much the QB that can quickly go downhill if you start getting to him. Right, he can unravel. So, yes, so like don't don't mess around with letting him get comfortable and you know the the bill the Bills did okay getting at pressure to him, but definitely not as good as they've been in other games. And it seemed to let the Vikings stick around in that game longer than they should to ultimately end up winning it. So. If Dallas saw anything in that Bills game, hopefully they learn that we need to be getting full pressure on Cousins for the full 60 minutes. That said, I think you you guys are burying the lead a little bit. This is a Dalvin Cook game. The Cowboys have given – their last four games, they're giving up like 170 yards per game on the ground. Their last two, they've given up over 200 in back-to-back games. So I, I – repeated myself in the same sentence that's hard to do but i did it um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, this is a dalvin cook game kirk in prime time like they gotta know oh, yeah. kirk is no good in prime time we're just gonna go ahead and give dalvin cook the ball as many times as we need to to win this game and yes. Dal- yeah. dalvin could have a monster day because D- dallas has not been good against the run no and it's because so. and we sell like a lot of people have said this is the turnovers have started to disappear a little bit for Dallas. And yeah. that, that's like big, like, I mean, injuries a little bit too, but they were creating turnovers all last season. And even at the beginning of the season at like a really high, at a really high rate. And it was obviously very impactful, but it's, you can see that once those turnovers start going away and they don't get as many, it 
starts it's you know they come back to earth a little bit they're more they do have more holes and things like that so yeah i mean dalvin cook should run for 200 yards that should be minnesota's goal but if i'm dallas i'd rather that than justin jefferson do to me what he did to the bills true 100 percent. true so so if it mean if it means i'm giving up a little bit more on the ground to have parsons on the edge rushing kirk cousins every single play fine right that that is the way they win this game and then on the flip side dallas is like dallas dallas's offense and the vikings offense are very similar to me in that they are two two teams that have kind of an alpha wide receiver but overall the offense as a whole doesn't really live up to the hype that it gets more often than not so the Vikings defense is not great by any means. CeeDee Lamb's been on a very big hot streak recently. Um, Could be I don't even know. hotter even. Yeah. Yeah, busted coverages are nice. <laughs> <laughs> but that'll happen against Minnesota. Minnesota has had miscommunications on the back end a little bit yeah. from time to time. Brett's just, true. Brett's just upset because he traded for traded oh, CD Lamb God. for Cooper Cup in a dynasty league, and it's not. It, the, right. the, we're, all three of us are in that league, Chris. <laughs> oh yes, that's right. That is that. I traded. Yeah, so I was thinking of ways I could improve my team this year without giving up too much of the future, and I am not a CD Lamb guy. So I hit up the one owner in our league who I know is a CD Lamb guy. He happens to have Cooper Cup, and I convinced him to just do a cup for for. CD swap because his team is tanking. He's terrible. His team's terrible. He's a big CD guy. Like perfect match. I think I had to throw in like a fourth rounder or something too. Sure. So I tr- I trade CD for Cup, basically straight up, and then I get one game out of Cup, and then he goes down. Wasn't even one, wasn't even one of his good games either. That's the worst part. <laughs> I think I got one good. I th- I think I did get two did games you? out of okay. him. One good game, and then the five <laughs> five catch for three yard game the week after. <laughs> Um, or whatever it was, right. something ridiculous like that. And then CD's dropping thirty point games just to yeah. rub, rub it in a little. Oh, dude, just sheer pain. Thankfully, my team in that league is very good. Anyways, I might I might be okay, but I don't know. Your team's really good too, Chris. You're you're a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, we'll so. see. Injuries are not looking great right now, but yeah, just gotta just gotta ride it out. Well, I kind of hope your entire team dies, but that's. <laughs> besides the point that's besides the point so yeah is, so okay is zeke back for this game is he playing uh, i think he's questionable but trending in because, if zeke's playing i'm taking minnesota for yeah sure. so I, that's, 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 <laughs> if zeke's in i'm out on dallas because they're gonna give him way too many carries like we've seen that from every person in the organization time and time again that for summer that like they're just doubling, tripling down on the contract they gave Zeke and just using like coach speak, owner speak to to convince everyone else or it probably even convinced themselves that that was the right decision. Right. All right. So who are you guys taking then? Let's go Cowboys or Vikings. Oh. I'm sticking with Minnesota. They've been – it's probably going to be really – hilarious how they win in some way shape or form but i'm i'm taking minnesota it's i just think that they're two teams that are just 
so similar and so like, I, yeah, they're just very similar. And I think that Minnesota has just has it this year. And I think that they'll, they can make it, they have the upper tier athletes on the offense that I think can make a difference against Dallas's defense to make plays to win the game. I would take, I don't feel good about it, but I'm going to take the Cowboys. I would take Ooh. Minnesota if I get the points, but I'm going to take Dallas to win the game. What is the spread right now? Three and a half? Yes, I believe so. It's three so, and a half. It moved toward Dallas. I thought it was, pl- I thought it opened at plus one. I thought it was, uh, I no, it was, I th- it was plus, plus three, I think. And I think oh it moved gosh, a half That's point. even more. I thought it was plus one when, the, when it opened. That's even worse. Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. So but... disrespectful to Minnesota. I mean, I get it, but. Okay, Steve, while he's looking that up, let's play a fun game. Vikings are going to win on some in some crazy way. Give me the prediction for what that crazy way is. Use your imagination. I want this to be Use juicy. my imagination. Um, I, I have the perfect one for when you're done. Let me, hold on. Let me rack my brain real quick. I'm going to say. It's gonna be like it's gonna be like a TJ Hawkinson breaking three tackles for the first time in his career and scoring like a sixty yard touchdown to to ice it with like twenty seconds left. Wow! Yeah, that that that's actually because that's because that's the trajectory their season is going. That they're getting the most improbable plays. <laughs> that why not have TJ Hawkinson have? The game, like the game clinching touchdown at the end of the game, and some long and like a long, he just like catches a drag route, and it just everybody loses contain, and he breaks two tackles and off to the races. It's it's Dallas minus right. one and a half. It opened at Dallas okay. minus two and a half. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. So the points don't really matter then, Chris. No, I thought it, yeah, I thought it was still at that two and a half three area. Yeah. But. My prediction for the how the crazy way the Vikings will win um, is that they'll be down four, with like two-ish minutes left. They'll be marching in the Dallas territory. Kirk's going to throw a, a YOLO ball into the end zone, just completely choke. His brain's going to break, and Trayvon Diggs is going to pick it off. But Trayvon's going to make the mistake of running it out of the end zone. <laughs> Trayvon's going to get tackled by... CJ Ham probably because CJ Ham's a monster. He's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna knock the ball loose. The Vikings recover. Delvin Cook rips off a big run on the very next play. They take a three point lead, win the game. I was thinking of going that route, and I was like, "That's too crazy." So I'm glad that you and I'm glad no, you indulged. Hawkinson breaking tackles is way crazier than that happening. So, <laughs> all right. So I'm, I'll take the Vikings. I home team underdogs. I don't know if you guys know this. You could bet home team underdogs every year, and you'll come out ahead. It's it's tried and true for like the last thirty years. I so I I just I'll take the Vikings because home team underdogs are weird to bet against, in my opinion. Um, I do think they match up well. Dalvin Cook should control this game and take the pressure off of primetime Kirk. So, all right, moving on. Last game, and then we're gonna bounce out of here. We have on Sunday Night Football the Chiefs going into. LA to play the Chargers. There's going to be more Chiefs fans there than Chargers fans, which is fine. Yep. Um, so it's almost a home game for the Chiefs in a lot of ways. But so I'm, I'll start this one. Unlike last week when when the Chargers were in this situation, 
I do think the Chiefs will wipe the floor with the Chargers. Are the Chargers, are the Chargers getting Allen and Williams back? Uh, who knows? Yeah. But, okay. But yeah, Williams is likely. I believe Allen. I think didn't practice again yesterday. Okay. Yeah, I, I won't believe an Allen report until he's actually playing in a game at this point. That's fair. All right. Sorry to cut you off, Brad. Keep going. Oh no, you're good. So, I I didn't. Frankly, I didn't really consider them getting both guys back. If they do get both guys back, that might change the math a little bit because I think Herbert's confidence goes through the roof um, with those guys. So, but that said, let's just assume they only have Williams. Um, I don't think they have enough juice to hang with the Chiefs, and the Chiefs are clicking on all cylinders. I think I think they get it done bigly in their L.A. home game against division rival. I do think the Chiefs could be in a little bit of trouble if MVS is out too. I mean, it's just because it's it's tough to go from having your three starting receivers out, whether no matter how good they actually are, and the difference between them and the guys sure. behind them. Yeah, that's a it's just a it's a lot to to try to deal with. Um, do that is true. So if anything, I could see and so in the world where you know MVS is out and the Chargers get at least Mike Williams back, I could see this being a you know a 24-20 game because the Ooh. Chiefs just can't like totally crush it like they normally do and and the Chargers have a little bit more juice to be able to attack the Chiefs defense. I wonder if Andy Reid is licking his chops with their run defense and just knowing what he like the plays he can build up off of that. I don't know that Chiefs. I mean, Pacheco is going to have to have a very good game then, because no one else on the Chiefs can run the ball. Give the man the football. He's looked. He's looked decent. I mean, he's looked. See, see, um, how about Ceh falling off a cliff for that? Because he had three snaps last week. Do you see yeah. they put in a they put in a claim for you know Benjamin? Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. they <laughs> hate Clyde. They just hate him. <laughs> he, he may have been getting cut if that if that went through. Holy crap, that's true. Yeah, who would they have cut? They're not going to cut McKinnon. I don't think they love. Oh, I think they love McKinnon. McKinnon's the only guy in their backfield that's like consistent. Right. <laughs> you at least know what you're getting every week. Clyde yeah. is like such a mixed bag. Pacheco's still a rookie and has pretty you know spotty vision. So, oh, what a fall from grace in season for CEH going from this darling touchdown scorer opportunity to three snaps. <laughs> yeah, um, it'll, um, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's the way you want to attack the Chargers. Um, the Niners did it last week um, using their, you know, their leading running back, Elijah Mitchell, over the guy that they traded multiple future picks for. <laughs> um, but whatever, it, it did work. The Chiefs we ended it. up with a bunch of touches, right, by the end of that game? Oh, yeah. It was basically, I think McCaffrey actually had more in the end, but but it was yeah. it was close to 50-50. Much closer it was even until, like, the fourth quarter, I think. Right. Or close it was not to even, expected yeah. at all. I think, I think there was a press conference with Mitchell after the fact, and he was surprised how close it was. I just wonder if it's oh, – really? I just wonder if with, like, that situation, if it is hot hand type stuff. Like, Elijah Mitchell was averaging five yards a carry. McCaffrey was at, like, two and a half for the game. Right. Yeah, <laughs> Let's trade for a really expensive running back. Right. And then not and give up draft capital, then play hot hand with him. 
It's the most Kyle Shanahan thing it I've is. ever heard. It, it really is. is. Anyways, we're off topic, guys. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Let's um, get back on the path. <laughs> I'd say Kansas City by 10 points. I just don't. Like, the Chargers are just banged up all over the place, and I just – they just don't have much juice right now. That Like we've said, that's just what it comes down to for me, and I think that Herbert does play his best games against Kansas City. His stats in, like, four games against Kansas City are really good, but – all around the chargers just look like they're kind of floating in mediocrity trying to figure out what direction they're going in this year. Yeah. I think, I think this is closer. I think, I think Kansas city wins it, but I don't think it's by much. I think the injuries for the wide receivers to the chief is going to be tough. The chargers, Derwin James is one of the best, cover safeties in the league can limit Travis Kelsey probably better than other safeties out there. They've got tons of experience playing each other. Uh, and this, uh, I'll also say that the chargers have to have at least Mike Williams back. Yes. The, Josh Palmer is not good. The, I don't even know if they threw the ball to Michael Bag- Bandy last game. Who's that? Exactly. <laughs> That's all you um, need to know. <laughs> And DeAndre Carter is a kick and punt returner, basically. Right. So kick, if, kick and punt. Yeah. So if Austin Eckler is leading leading the charge for that receiving what game again, then yeah, it's not going to go well. So if if Mike Williams is back, um, I, I think this game is close though. I'm uh, so the, the spread of this game is minus five in favor of the Chiefs. Chiefs minus five. I'm going to take the Chiefs to cover. But I am so confident that they just win this game that I will even play the money line, I think, even though the odds aren't great. I think it's 250, minus 250 for um, for the money line. So I, th- I think the Chiefs win no matter what. I'm I'm pretty confident in that, but I think they'll cover the spread as well. Not sure. I'm not sure we'll end double digits because these divisional games sometimes have a tendency to be close. It's true. Um, but I do I do think you're not far off, Steve. If, I think there's a, a chance it's a, it's a blowout for sure. I wouldn't necessarily bet on it, but I think there's a chance. So I think the only way the Chargers um, win is if Justin Herbert's deep throw percentage is over 15% for the game. <laughs> well, well, then they lose. I know. That's why I took t- Kansas City. But like, that's the pathway, is that Justin Herbert needs to let it loose. He's, yeah. he's looked – I mean, he has looked so nervous this year towards the – I mean, granted, he had the rib injury – but like not necessarily nervous, but just hesitant to rip it deep. And obviously injury receivers not being there, that all plays a factor, but still he loses that gunslinger mentality a little bit. Like he doesn't have the Patrick Mahomes, the Matthew Stafford, like those type of like, I don't care who's on the field. F it. It's going deep. Uh, yeah. And he needs, and he needs to have that because the dude can fit ball into places that like only three quarterbacks can do it. And so like, he needs to kind of get back to pushing the boundaries a little bit and taking those risks instead of auto checking down to Eckler. Yeah. Every pass. So you just mentioned that that's actually what I'm most interested in. This game is like the chiefs linebackers have played really well this year. I want to know how many times Eckler catches the ball and then gets immediately tackled. What is that number, Chris? Like eight? 
eight receptions for ten yards. Yeah. You think he something in the, something in that area? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At least half are going to be behind the line of scrimmage. So yeah, yeah. You're right though. Bolton, yes. Bolton and Gay, those guys have looked so fast sideline to sideline defending like checkdowns. Kind of sounds like a law firm. Bolton the and law Gay. officers of Bolton and Gay. <laughs> Maybe we should pitch that to them. Yeah. I like it. All right. I'm going to throw in a bonus game. I don't want to discuss the game, though. I just want to know if I'm insane or if, you know. Anyways, can the Detroit Lions go into East Rutherford, New Jersey, and beat the Giants? Yes or no? Yes. Biased, but yes. <laughs> no, I'm saying no. Really? Now we have to discuss the game. <laughs> well, I'm, surpri- I'm surprised that you don't think Daniel Jones is going to run for 100 yards this game. I don't care if he does. Joseph Fields ran for what, 170? That was, yeah. That was Miami, I think he went for like 130, didn't he? I just well, think he had like way, 80 on one play. I think the way the Giants are playing right now is not conducive to the way the, – the Lions like need as many offensive opportunities as they can get because their offense is so up and down. Whereas I see the Giants playing s- slower and just kind of killing them on the ground, whether it's Daniel Jones or Barkley. And, and I, I think the Detroit Lions are going to win this football game. And so, Chris, to your point, that is what I think is the crucial aspect of this game is Detroit needs to hold the Giants to under 45%, 40% on third down. Like, third down is going to make or break this game i think yeah i the lions have got they've gotten some drafts rehearsals for this game and they've kind of slowly gotten a little bit better i know they gave up the one big play to fields last week but they're getting better at dealing with conflict that they're put in the one way you can exploit the Lions is deep passing, and the Giants can't freaking do it. Mm-mm. So I think this game is definitely close, and I just have a hunch. I have a feeling that this this ends with the Lions W in East Rutherford, New Jersey. And, I mean, the last from week 6 to 10, the Giants are giving up six six yards of carry on the ground. Right. Yep. Uh, Jamal Williams is sick, though. I think he's still going to play, but that could be bad if he's not really wanting to thump. Was he was he not back at practice yesterday? I thought he was back at he, practice yesterday. He he was. That's why he's going to play. But I know he's he's got some lingering. Is I think it was upper upper respiratory, which is going around Michigan right now. I don't know if it is. It's like yeah, yeah. Like RSV's break. Well, actually, Chris, you said yeah, it's, it's breaking out your area yeah, too. Yeah, RSV is really bad this year. Um, yeah, so. Not that adults are affected by that, but there's an adult version of whatever that, you know, we get. So anyways, I I do think this this mad I know the Lions are three and six, the Giants are seven and two. We've praised the Giants and what they've done repeatedly, but these two teams just match up well, I think. Um and the Lions have got the things the Giants do well, the Lions have gotten a lot of practice seeing that look in live games. Whether it's the Eagles, the Seahawks, and then the the, the Bears last week. I'm I just feel good about what they're going to be able to do. Uh, teams haven't really run the ball on, on the lines lately on first and second down, other than quarterback runs. Yeah, so, no, I don't, does, does any team do it more than the Giants with the read option? Maybe the Eagles, and that's it? Um, Eagles for sure do. The, the Cardinals will randomly have games where they tag read option on everything. Yeah. Um, 
Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore sometimes doesn't need to do a lot of read ops. They just do straight, you know, the Giants do ca- counter bash. And, yeah, Giants do a ton. So, yeah, I I just I have a feeling about this. And um, this is also the Kenny Galladay revenge game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is wait who's who is that again? It's I that, forget. It's that alpha wide receiver that used to play for the Lions. Oh, Babytron. That's right. That's how I know him. Babytron. He got he got crowned a little early on that, guys. <laughs> I think, Steve, did he not get the Babytron nickname after his first preseason game? It was very... Like, did, Detroit fans are psychotic. Psychotic. We're, like, so optimistic all the time for the most part. I mean, just trying to grasp at anything to be hopeful and happy about. Yeah. That's what it's our MO. Um, yep. On the flip side... Uh, Jared Goff just needs to take care of the ball. Like he'll, yes. their defense, their secondary has played very well. They don't force, they haven't forced a ton of turnovers this year. And I think that if Jared Goff can be patient, I think they might get Josh Reynolds back this week, which I, which is big. I think that could be big for the Detroit offense to just have another legitimate receiving option out there. But I think it's just that if Jared Goff stays patient, takes what's given to him. I think Amon Ross St. Brown, who has like him being healthy again, has completely changed their offense and their passing attack to where like Jared Goff, having him as a safety blanket is so crucial. I think is so crucial to that offense and is so crucial to Jared Goff's confidence throughout a game that as long as he's not trying to force things and he stays patient, plays like even just, you know, he can have his 6.2 a dot game if he wants to, but just as long as he's not forcing the ball into coverage, he's going to be okay because the giants defense, that's what the giants defense is just like waiting for people to try and take too many chances. And then those two interior defensive linemen, just pinning their ears back and going and getting after the quarterback, which is right. a strength on the, which is a strength on the Detroit offensive line, their interior, oh, yeah, they, their interior offensive line, matches up pretty well if Ragnow is good to go. I know that he was on the injury yeah. report this week. So uh, we talked about the Vikings being severely overrated. Well, the Giants also are. Like, they've beat the collection of the worst teams in the NFL. Yeah, we looked at that on They beat the Panthers, yeah, the Texans, the Jaguars, the Packers. Actually, I think three of their wins are against teams the Lions have also beat. So, um, you know, there is that. And there's been no, like, con- there's no, like, convincing win that's also the case no. with the lines but like with a team that's seven and two usually there's a game in there where they you know yeah. put their stamp on it but it's been a lot of flip of the coin games where they could be two and seven they could be seven and two right now and they are seven yeah they are seven and two and there is merit to that because they've they have the coaching and the talent and the ability to pull out games at the end that's a that's a talent in my opinion right and that it as that could be really important because this is a game that probably does come down to the last one or two possessions again. Right. Common opponent is actually crazy. So the Lions have beat three teams, the Giants have also beat. The two Giants losses are also two teams the Giants lost to. And the Cowboys in, the, in Seattle. The Lions lost to Seattle by three points. The Giants lost them by fourteen. So some you know, I think some not that you can hang your hat on that stuff necessarily, but I think there's some there's some signs where Detroit should be more competitive in this game than people think they should be. So, I'm taking Detroit though to win. 
I'm not biased at all. I promise. <laughs> not biased and super hopeful at all. No, never. Because um, that's not me. Just, I mean, real quick, is Daniel Jones probably the? Do you think he's the least athletic running quarterback they faced so far this year? Like Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, Daniel I, Jones. Well, yeah, I'm on that group. I think he's very athletic for a quarterback. But yeah, yeah of that group, but that's he's what still I mean. Is like the Lions. Oh, uh, Gino. He's probably a little more athletic than Gino. Okay. But still, yeah. like having this be their fourth running quarter, their fourth like mobile quarterback playing. Yep. Like, there's also a lot of Wentz is pretty mobile too. Yeah, but he is you a know? garbage. He had a garbage offensive line and couldn't move. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But yeah, that, that's why I was saying that they've had like their their rehearsals for yes. this game. Yes. And then and then like. Yeah, I would much I would much rather try to contain Jones and Fields or Hurts. Like that's yeah, absolutely. Yes. So cool. All right. That's gonna do it for us. Thank you so much for listening. Uh we will be back Wednesday reviewing the week eleven slate that hopefully is better than it looks. Um I am your host, Bart Whitefield, my co host Stephen O'Rourke, our guest Christopher Weck. We are out. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.